everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight, and we're so glad to have you tuned in to today's program, and hope, indeed we hope, that you can stay tuned with us for the entire program. Let, let, let me mention something very quickly, if I might, many of you, uh, thousands of you listen by way of radio every week on the Gold Mix Radio Network, and we're so proud to have you, have you listen. I'd also like to mention, though, that these programs are available on the Go Mix Christian Radio Facebook site. You can find them on the Christian Bible College Facebook site, also on the um, Pathway Christian Academy Facebook site, as well as the Pathlight Podcast. If you go to the Pathlight Podcast page, you'll find it there. Matter of fact, you'll find an archive of many of our programs there that you can uh, certainly check them all out. I, I hope you will. As a matter of fact, if you listen to the program and you enjoy it, and after it's over, you say, you know, I have a friend or a neighbor or someone that might enjoy this program, check out the Pathlight Podcast because that way you can go back and listen to this program as well as many others that are there in the uh, in the archives. And we hope you'll do I hope you'll, uh, you'll you'll do that. You'll stay tuned for the uh, for the program, listen to the program, and check it out. Check it out again. You know, it's wonderful when you have a good, godly king in charge. And one day, of course, we'll have that through our Lord Jesus Christ. But what about if you have a king without courage, a non-courageous king? We're going to be talking about that on today's program. Hope you'll stay tuned for the entire message. Just before that message, though, we've got a musical selection coming coming your way. Hope you'll stay tuned.
song about a tragedy really for someone who comes to Jesus Christ one day one day too late again we want to thank you for tuning in to today's Pathlight program the title of today's message is a king without courage the Old Testament book of Jeremiah is one of three Old Testament books that tell about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem uh, you can also read about that in Second Kings 24 and 25 and also Second Chronicles 36. And it tells about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the temple at the hands of the Babylonian army. The year is 586 B.C. Now, this destruction was not a surprise, or at least it should not have been, because many Old Testament prophets had prophesied over the years about these events. They acknowledged that the nation has turned against God, has turned to idolatry, has turned to sin, and as a result, it's going to be judged. And that judgment is going to be at the hand of a pagan king, and Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. Yet in spite of all the prophetic voices, all the voices that had warned of the impending devastation of God's city and of God's temple, in addition to the 70 years of Babylonian captivity, all those voices fell on deaf ears. No one really wanted to hear bad news, and certainly no one wanted to hear this. One leader who was what we might say particularly deaf was King Zedekiah. Now, Zedekiah, well, if you really get down to it, wasn't a real king, and Zedekiah wasn't even his name. His real name was Mataniah, and was he was appointed as a puppet ruler, a puppet king, by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. At this point in the history of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar had already besieged Jerusalem and set up a puppet kingdom 
and Zedekiah was his puppet king who was at the helm of this kingdom. We read in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, the, of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Amnon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It also came in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. In other words, that would be basically in our, uh, our August. Zedekiah wouldn't listen to Jeremiah. As I said earlier, no one wants to hear bad news. And, and what Jeremiah had to say to Zedekiah was indeed bad news of some of the worst sort. This is Jeremiah's first message to Zedekiah. It's found in Jeremiah 21, verses 4 through 7. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands, Wherewith ye fight against the king of Babylon and against the Chaldeans, which besiege you without walls, and I will assemble them into the midst of this city, and I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger and in fury and in great wrath. And I will smite the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast, and they shall die of a great pestilence." And afterwards saith the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his servants, and the people, and such as are left in this city from the pestilence, from the sword, and from the famine, until the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and until the hand of their enemies, and into the hand of those who seek their life, and he shall smite them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them, neither have pity, nor have mercy." One of the, there's a lot of sadness in these verses of Scripture that he's going to bring Nebuchadnezzar against them. But also, the interesting thing is God says, I too am going to fight against you. With pestilence, I'm going to fight against you. God says, not only are you going to fight against him, this pagan king, you're also going to be fighting against me. And the news just keeps getting worse. Tragically, Zedekiah doesn't trust that Jeremiah's words are actually communicating God's words. In other words, uh, he's thinking to himself, this, this can't be real. But he still goes out of his way to ask Jeremiah to inquire of the Lord. But he doesn't really agree with what the Lord is saying. Zedekiah doesn't know what to do about Jeremiah or the impending prophetic words. Four princes of Egypt eventually decide to help King Zedekiah, and these four princes also reject Jeremiah and his prophecy. They accuse Jeremiah of being a traitor and deserving of death. They're basically saying, actually they do say, let this man be put to death. King Zedekiah must make a decision. The fate of Jeremiah lies with him in the same way that Pontius Pilate washed his hands when it came to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Zedekiah says in Jeremiah 38 uh, verse 5, Behold, he is in your hand, for the king is not he that can do anything against you. Of course, this really wasn't true, but the intimidation of the princes seems to have paralyzed his will. He was a king without courage. And that is the title of today's message. What a terrible way to be remembered to be known as the king with no courage. 
the king with no backbone, the king who didn't have the wherewithal to stand. That's almost as bad as King Jehoram's legacy who died, it said, to no one's regret, really, in Second Chronicles 21, verse 20. No one had any desire for him, so when he was dead, no one really cared. Everyone is going to leave a legacy. You will leave one, I will leave one. And even if it's a terrible one, you're going to leave one. King Zedekiah left with a regrettable legacy that no one really cared when he died, and he left a legacy as a king with no backbone, a king with no courage. The four princes who are largely forgettable biblical figures and characters try to find a way to kill Jeremiah without getting blood on their hands. They really don't want the reputation of killing a prophet of God, so they come up with a plan to carefully lower Jeremiah into an empty cistern where he will slowly and painfully die of exposure or starvation uh, without really shedding any blood and thus getting any blood on their hands. A cistern is a pear-shaped vessel or a pear-shaped hole in the ground, in this particular case in the ground, that would hold large amounts of water. This particular cistern was empty but still extremely muddy. As Jeremiah was lowered into the cistern, he sank into the mud. An Ethiopian court official pleaded with King Zedekiah to remove Jeremiah from the cistern, which, which he eventually did, and Jeremiah was then placed in prison. Zedekiah wasn't done with Jeremiah, however. He asked Jeremiah what God was going to do, and here's Jeremiah's reply in Jeremiah 38, verses 17 and 18, where the prophet says this, Then said Jeremiah unto Zedekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if thou wilt assuredly go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes, then thy soul shall live, and this city shall not be burned with fire, and thou shalt live in thine house. But if thou wilt not go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes, then shall this city be given to the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and thou shalt not escape out of thy Hand. Well, that's not what Zedekiah wanted to hear. What he's saying here, what the prophet is telling the king, is you need to go to, to the enemy, you need to go to the Chaldeans, you need to go to Babylon's princes, and you need to basically surrender. You need to tell them that I surrender, I'm at your mercy, I surrender. That's not what Zedekiah wanted to hear. But it does certainly provide a better alternative than what he's going to face without it. Jeremiah would remain in the palace prison until the Babylonians overtook Jerusalem. In Jeremiah 39, verses 11 and 12, we read that King Nebuchadnezzar had told the captain of the guard to find Jeremiah, but do him no harm. Do unto him as he shall say unto thee, basically saying, keep him comfortable. Any request he has that are in reason, at least, I want you to honor those. Don't do any harm to the prophet. Jeremiah was faithful to God. And God rewarded and blessed Jeremiah. Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilling Jeremiah's prophecy as God foretold. Jeremiah was unjustly put in prison by his fellow Jews. Jeremiah was lowered into an empty cistern. All this had been prophesied. That was meant to be his grave by his fellow Jews. Jeremiah escaped death in front of the temple of Jerusalem by his fellow Jews. Yet Jeremiah was esteemed by the conquering Babylonians. All this was a fulfillment of prophecy. Jeremiah never asked 
for this responsibility to bring news of destruction to his own people. This was God's plan. It wasn't Jeremiah's plan. Jeremiah was faithfully delivering and fulfilling God's plan for his life and for the lives of the people of Judah. God's plan, as I said a moment ago, was for King Zedekiah to surrender peacefully and the people would be spared. The city would be spared. But like many of us sometimes, Zedekiah had other plans. And like many kings, Zedekiah had other plans in his mind. Instead of trying to negotiate a peaceful surrender that would save both him and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, King Zedekiah and his soldiers left the people behind and tried to retreat themselves, make a break for it during the night. Can you imagine this cowardice? Here is a king knowing that without a formal surrender, his people and the city were doomed to die Zedekiah didn't care. He didn't care about the city. He didn't care about the people. He didn't care about the temple. He didn't care about anything. He cared about himself. God said, if you will just go to the king and surrender, the city will be spared. But no, he doesn't do that. He retreats. He leaves the people there to fend for themselves, and he retreats. He leaves. He deserts them with a contingent of soldiers to protect them. He was a king without courage. Woe to the country who has a king, a leader. He may be called a president. He may be called a prime minister, whatever he might be called, but a king without courage. But the Babylonian troops chased them, overtook Zedekiah on the plains of Jericho. They captured him took him to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who was at a place called Rebla. And the king of Babylon pronounced judgment upon Zedekiah. The king of Babylon made Zedekiah watch as he slaughtered, as he slaughtered, uh, slaughtered Zedekiah's sons at Ribla. The king of Babylon also slaughtered all the nobles of Judah. He gouged out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him in bronze chains and led him away, led him away to Babylon simply by listening to the words of the prophet Jeremiah. King Zedekiah could have been spared. His sons could have been spared. His nobles could have been spared. The city and the inhabitants could have been spared. But I guess it's hard to lead when you're a king without courage. A king without courage. Woe to the nation who has a king without courage, a president without courage, leaders, senators, congressmen without the courage to stand, without the courage to listen to the man of God, without the courage to do what the Lord says, without the courage to obey the Lord. Woe to that country. And friends, I'm telling you, that's one of the problems with America today is our leaders are not listening to God. They don't have the courage to listen to God, listen to the man of God, listen to the Bible, and sometimes listen to their own conscience. They don't have the courage to listen to the Constitution to listen to what history is telling them and they're bringing judgment on our land. In our story, what about the people of Jerusalem? What happened to them? They were taken captive. They were brought to Babylon. 
where they would remain for 70 years. The city of Jerusalem didn't fare as well. We read in Jeremiah chapter 39 and verse number 8, the Babylonians burned Jerusalem, including the royal palace, the houses of the people. They tore down the walls of the city. I'm teaching you this day that there's a price that we all must pay when you give a king who ignores the word of God authority. There's a price to pay for making decisions in your own best interest instead of making decisions that will bring honor and glory to God. There's a price to pay for living outside God's will. There's a price all must pay when you have a king without courage without the courage to do right, without the courage to listen to the Lord, without the courage to do as one should do. There's a price the entire nation is going to pay. Godly leadership is important because godly leadership impacts and influences those under your watch. Our nation's leaders here in America have so many, so many words of wisdom they can listen to. They can listen to history and see the wisdom of our founders. These were not perfect men, but they were men of great wisdom. I don't suppose ever before in human history have a group of men, leaders, gotten together to try to determine the best way to limit their own power. But yet our founders did that. How can we chain ourselves as leaders to high and noble principles that we will be bound not to, not to corrupt? That was our founders. That was our founders. And our leaders today, our president today, our senators and congressmen and judges today have the wisdom of these great leaders that they can listen to. They have the wisdom of the word of God that certainly they can listen to. They have the wisdom of godly preachers and teachers that are bringing forth the word of God. They have the Bible that they can consort and consult with to find the will of God. They have all these things that they can listen to, and yet they refuse. They refuse to listen to the wisdom that's available for them, and oftentimes they refuse to even listen to common sense. They refuse to even listen to the common sense. Oh, there is a price to pay when you have a king without courage. Godly, courageous leadership is important for any nation. And at this hour we're living in today, it is extremely important for our nation to have a king with courage. I hope as we elect presidents in the future, if Jesus tarries, Senators and congressmen in the future and even our local leaders, our governors, our judges and others that we can cast a vote for, that we will find people of courage who will stand for truth. Not the courage to do wrong, but the courage to do right. We want to be sure that we don't make a mistake and select leaders without courage. And that includes our churches. We need pastors who are men of courage, who will preach the uncompromised word of God. It's not what people want to hear today. I know that. But we need people with the courage to preach it. 
We need Sunday school teachers with the courage to teach the Word of God. It's not what people want to hear today, but we need to have the courage to teach it. And then we need to elect leaders in our secular world who are men of courage, who will say the right things and try to do the right things. They will not be perfect men. We will not have perfect pastors and perfect teachers and perfect leaders. We will not. But at least we can find men of courage who will try to do the right thing. Spineless and cowardly leaders will only seek to protect themselves and not those under their charge. They will seek to pad their own pockets and not seek for the prosperity of others. They will seek to protect their own freedom and liberty, but they will not be concerned about the freedom and liberty of others. Oh God, give us kings with courage. Give us leaders with courage. I think we've got a bunch of yellow-bellied people today often that are ruling us. And, and, and boy, they're trying to pad their own pockets. They're trying to do what will help them or their own families. And that's all they're interested in. All they're interested in is the next election. They're not interested in the next generation. They're interested in doing what will get them votes today, not what will, what will promote America and American interest in the future. They're not concerned about those things. They're just concerned about the right now, the here and now, and what will be best, what will be best for them. We need kings with courage because it's tragic in any nation when you have a king without it. And that's what we've been studying today from the book of Jeremiah. King Zedekiah, a cowardly king, a cowardly king, and because he was a cowardly king, it brought woe upon the city, woe upon the inhabitants of the city, led his people into judgment, all because he was just looking after number one, and number one, make no mistake about it, was himself. Oh God, give us wisdom, because in this country we have the vote, we still have the right to vote. And although I'm sure not all elections in America are full of integrity and truth, and not all candidates speak the truth when they make their promises, they sound good, but many of them are deceptive. But Lord, help us elect men and women of courage. Help us, Lord, in our churches to have leaders of courage. And in our families, may we be leaders with courage. Well, the title of today's message has been A King Without Courage, and we've seen how devastating that was and how that ended up being for the land of Israel, specifically for the city of Jerusalem, because they had a king without courage. I'd like to remind you again of Christian Bible College, if you're interested in continuing or beginning your Christian education in the sense of preparing yourselves to know the Word of God better, check out Christian Bible College. Check out the website, christianbiblecollege.org. You'll find a lot of information there that I believe will help you if you'll check it out. Again, that's christianbiblecollege.org. Well, until next time, this is T.D. Worthington saying, may God richly bless you is our prayer. You have a wonderful week. You walk with the Lord. You walk in courage. You walk in victory over these coming days. 